What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. As always, I'm your host, James Jackson, accompanied by my two guys to my right, Stat Matt Robinson, our residential statistician, and all the way from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at the University of Pittsburgh. We got our guy, Kyle. We're ready to chop it up. And it's about time for the NBA Finals. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Crazy situations have happened, but here in the bubble in Orlando, we got finals time for the NBA. And that brings us with the facts straight at you. This is only the third time out of 10 finals appearances for LeBron that he's been the favorite. The other times were 2011 against the Mavericks and 2013 against the Spurs. So when we're talking about LeBron, 10 finals appearances now was with the best team in the NBA, the best team in the bubble in the Lakers. What is the recipe? Is there a recipe for this Heat team to beat the Lakers and to beat LeBron in the finals? There's a recipe, but it's incredibly hard to cook. I'll say it that way. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> Talk to him. <laughs> you need to get Gordon Ramsay up in there. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, Eric Spolster is a great coach, and having LeBron for four years, he knows everything LeBron can do to dominate a game. And he, I'm guessing he knows the small weaknesses, however small they are. And I think it's going to come down to, I think Bam Adebayo has defensive versatility so important because... He can, he can guard LeBron and Davis, mm. so that pick and roll, if he's involved, it's fine. And as long as Dragic, uh, Robinson, and Hero don't get like trapped against LeBron, they should be good on the defensive front. I mean, there's a lot of different things we, we could talk about. Like, this is what the Heat could do. This could be the recipe. This could be the blueprint. And it all changes when you hit the hardwood, right? Like, it all changes when you actually have to put on a jersey and play LeBron James. And we all know what game one's going to be, right? Like, we talked about it for pretty much every series leading up to the finals. It's how game one can be that feel-out game for LeBron. And if there's a game the Heat need to snatch... It's game one. Is there a recipe to do it though? Kyle? LeBron in his career is one and eight in finals game ones. Like that's the that's, that's the, crazy. The, we know it's the feel out game. He publicly says it. It's the feel out game. Like I want to see what y'all got. That's crazy. I want to see what y'all got. Like I is there a recipe? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. They have to snatch game one. Uh, to me, I want to see. I think the Lakers are going to go big. I expect probably Dwight to start. But mm. Adebayo's defense on AD when he does get on him in this series is going to be huge. AD hasn't faced a real big man defender since the first round with Nurkic and Whiteside. I mean, he's had the Rockets, whoever they threw at him. And last series, he had Michael Porter Jr. and a little Paul Millsap. So you haven't seen an elite defender on him. And I think Adebayo's elite. I think most would probably agree. At least he's a great defender. Maybe not elite. He's at least a very versatile defender. That's that's the very least that's what you would give to him. So they need to give AD a lot of trouble. They need to come out playing exactly like they played in that Celtics series, team basketball. I think Jimmy Butler needs to step up a little more. It's the finals now. He's your guy. But I think I think it's going to be Adebayo's defense that could be the key in snatching this game one. And it's funny that we talk about, like, game one is the game. Because here, here's how I think about this series as a whole as a nutshell. Game one, if the Heat win, I see a Lakers blowout in game two. Just to, you know, that's that's how the first two series matched up or how, how they played out. And I see that's how it's playing out here. If the Lakers won game one, then I maybe see the Heat winning game two. I see game two as just a tough game either way. But I don't really give the Heat a game past game two. Like, past game two, I would literally be shocked if I see the Heat win a game. I would not be surprised if the Lakers close this out in five games. That's just how this just... How dominant LeBron's been playing, how dominant the Lakers have been playing. I could see the Heat winning. Like, they're down 2-0. They have to win game three. They win game three. But uh, I'm kind of with you. No, if they drop the first two games, it's a sweep. If they drop the first two games without having to go to Miami, it's a sweep after that for the first two. 
That's what that's, yeah, like, like that's like that's hard to argue with. The, the, the Heat have no pressure on them because no one expected them to go this far, and no one really expects them to win this finals. You see, like the odds are like minus three sixty for the Lakers, mm-hmm. and they were minus four fifty. It's really tough to see a way that LeBron loses. It's not that I can't see the Heat winning. I can't see the Lakers and LeBron losing because. LeBron, this is almost a cementing moment for him. Like, mm-hmm. he gets to four titles with three different franchises. And remember how bad the Lakers were before he came in. Like, he didn't join, like, a super team like he did in Miami. He, like, built from the bottom. I know he got AD, but other than that, it's been his, him, his, his, his decisions. Yeah. yeah, It's him and his usual suspects of, like, J.R. Smith. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He the just heat. So, so I, it's more that Lakers, I just so good that I don't see the Heat being able to beat them. Right, I agree. I'm not as I'm not as low on the Heat as you guys are this series. I really do think this is their toughest test. We saw a buzzer beater in the last series where that series could have went up 2-1 Nuggets. I think there's another game the Nuggets could have snatched down the stretch. Rockets could have snatched one. I know they've 4-1 everybody, but they were beating teams down the stretch and the Heat possibly are the best team in the league down the stretch. And I think it's their toughest opponent in the finals and I, I, I don't expect it to be a five-game series like you guys think. I, I, bro, like, I, I'm all for wanting to give the Heat props, wanting to give them credit, wanting to give them their flowers and their just due for making it to the finals, especially as the five seed. I mean, it took out giant after giant in the Eastern Conference, got to a place where not a lot of people, damn near no one, expected them to be and picked them to be. But, like, that's a, it's a huge but. We talk about the opponent they're going against is, is the opponent who's dominated the finals or dominated, you know, going to the finals for the last decade. Like, it's, it's just a different opponent. And at some point, I'm thinking that steam runs out. Like, at some point, you hit a roadblock, and that roadblock is LeBron James. Jimmy Butler said it himself. Until, like, you, you cannot, in, in this era, you're not going to win a championship until you beat LeBron. That's what you have to beat. To win a championship. The anomaly is the Raptors last year. But that same test is going to come over and over again. And you don't get a ring until you pass it. That test is LeBron James. And facing him for the very first time, not many people pass that test the very first time. I do want to say, though, the Heat have been just as good as the Lakers record-wise this postseason. They've both been 12-3. and And the Heat really kicked the ass of the Bucks, And the Bucks were really good. I know, like, they were shaky down the stretch. But we can't just write that off. We have to give that heat credit. Mm-hmm. But again, the Bucks didn't have LeBron. Like, I'll, I trust LeBron over Giannis. There's two people in sports I won't ever doubt again, LeBron and Tom Brady. Okay, before we move on to the heat side of things, besides LeBron and AD, we know that they're going to carry the ship for the Lakers. But, it, I mean, it seems to be like a rotating, you know, a, ro- a rotating or revolving door of role players to step up in that third role. And we ask this pretty much every episode, but we got to ask it again because it's a different series. Like, who's that role player that steps up to be third for the Lakers coming in the finals after LeBron and AD? It's a, it's 100% Rajon Rondo. He's been there before. I thought he was going to go Kuzma route. No, he's been there before. He's hitting his stride in these playoffs. We've seen him hitting three balls now, which we don't normally see from Rondo. Mm-hmm. And he, He's he's a second. I think you said it last week. Having that second ball handler, second playmaker on the court is could be the reason that they do sweep them if they do. Mm-hmm. I think it's one hundred percent Rondo. I want it to be Kyle Kuzma. Like I I want it to be not just for the Puma fan aspect of things, but I I want to see like another wing player dominating and helping LeBron and AD. And Kyle Kuzma shows flashes sometimes. He shows flashes that he can legitimately be 
that third guy complete the big three for the Lakers, and then sometimes he goes flat. Like, that inconsistent play is really what's hurting Kyle Kuzma, but there's a spot for him. Like, you watch this, you watch this series, you watch these games, and there's a spot, especially when they go to that second unit commanded by AD and LeBron and Rondo are on the bench. Kyle Kuzma can legitimately be that second scoring option when the primary option is AD. I think he's just got to be more assertive and go get his buckets more from that standpoint. But from the Heat side of things, when we're talking about who the most important player for the Heat is in this series, that can switch. Like, it's not definitively Jimmy Butler. Let's start there. We'll start with Jimmy Butler, the household name, you know, who it should be, of why Jimmy Butler can be or why he should be the most important player for the Heat in this series. For me, number one, he's got to be the guy going down the stretch. The Heat need a guy. They've kind of been getting through these playoffs where Jimmy Butler doesn't have to step up and be the commanding guy going down the stretch of these playoff games. But when he is... The Heat are in their best form. Butler and clutch time in the conference finals, which is under five minutes left in the fourth quarter, are the game within five and overtime. 62, 50, and 85% splits on 77% true shooting. That's a net rating of 67, 64 plus seven plus net rating on the floor. And every game, Jimmy Butler has been the leading scorer that he had won. So when he's that guy for them, when he's the commanding officer going down the stretch, the Heat are, the heat are unstoppable. The Heat win every single game. And he's got to be able to do that for a full series. He, he can't be content with taking a sidestep and letting Bam eat the, you know, this final end of the game, or letting Hero or Duncan Robinson eat. It's gotta be him going down the stretch. And that's number one for why Jimmy Butler is, is the most important player for the Heat. For yeah, and I, I expect it from him. He's never been there before. And we know mm-hmm. the type of person he is, the type of dog he is. He knows what he has to do. He's not gonna sit back and watch his team lose if they're gonna lose. He's he gonna have not. to assert himself. He won't. He, he bet not. Let he me won't. tell you, he bet not, because that's the reason he left Philly, right? That's, that's, this is the exact reason you said you didn't want to be in Philly anymore. I want to go to a team not only where I can contend, but quote unquote, I am the guy. Yep. Like he, he got his team, his culture, his support. He's got it now. So for me, there's no excuse for Jimmy Butler not demanding attention and not being assertive down the stretch of ball games to go and win it for the Heat. He's going. Like to me, there's no excuse now. He's, he's going. I think it's also defensively because he is such... He's a, we talked about Bam Adebayo. Jimmy Butler's out on the wing for them. Mm-hmm. He is so important in defense, and he he's it's one of those guys where he's kind of an fu kind of defender. Where he he puts puts his hands in like weird spots and make you like he does all the little right. Reggie Miller stuff that makes <laughs> you really pissed and really gets under your skin. And if you look at him specifically against LeBron, he is the second best defender since 2013 against LeBron in the NBA, holding LeBron to only 41.1 field goal percentage in games that he has defended against him. And people forget that in the 2015 playoffs, when the Bulls and Cavs matched up, LeBron only shot 39.9% from the field in that series, despite mm-hmm. winning in six. Butler's guarded LeBron in the playoffs before and had much more success than most other players have. And we're in, we're, we're, we're watching a Heat team, we're in a finals, we're in a of playoffs, we're watching the Heat throw a lot of different stuff defensively at teams. So this isn't to suggest that Jimmy Butler and LeBron are going to be matched up one-on-one. I think that would spell danger for the Heat if they did that. But it's to suggest that there's, LeBron is going to get a lot of different looks. But when Jimmy Butler is the look, when Jimmy Butler is there, LeBron's going to have a tough time on offense. We've seen it before. But, I mean, we know the Heat can go to a 2-3 zone. It messed up the Bucks. It messed up the Celtics. And for a team in the Lakers who don't shoot from three particularly well all the time, 
that can fuck up the Lakers, man. That, that can, can really big. fuck up the Lakers. That could be big. I, I don't think Spolster pulls that out right away. That's more of a feel out. That's thing. a wild card. That's a wild card. I don't yeah. I don't know if we see it in game one, but, but that's like a that's a wild card to throw at you but, in game two. But I, I expect them to have an answer to that pick and roll. And just like I said with that Nuggets series, they're gonna be fine if you let the shooter shoot. Mm-hmm. The heat and the Nuggets were doing it, and the Heat are a way better defensive team, one of the best in the league. So I, I think they're gonna have an answer to the pick and roll, and that two three is definitely in play this series. That two three is one hundred percent. I mean, the more we talk about it, you tell me that two three isn't something you pull out right away. Why not a fishbowl? Like I, I get if you do it too early, you give the Lakers time to adjust to it. But this isn't like you know adjusting to a pick and roll scheme or adjusting mm-hmm. to a lineup. Like you can't make people shoot better than they are. And the Lakers have proven through this playoffs that they're not a three-point shooting team. If you make them a three-point shooting team, you don't wake up one day all of a sudden and Rondo is now 45% from three. You don't I wake think- up and, and Kuzma's 42% from three. You still yep. struggle. You know yep. what I mean? Danny Green is going to be real important in exploiting that 2-3 zone. He has to be hot to exploit that. He does. Okay, he's been poo-poo. I know, he's he not been. He's a been. lot of them have been. But he's supposed to be a three-point shooter. Yeah, I think KCP has probably been their three-point shooter. That they That's kind of sad. KCP, he's a good shooter. He's a good shooter. love to joke about KCP. He really did step up in the Western Conference Finals. There were a bunch of games where he, he played well and didn't get as much recognition for it as he should have, especially yep. how bad he can play at times. So he definitely should have, you know, he definitely should have gotten a little bit more headline for that. But staying with the staying with the Heat and the most important players, it's not all just Jimmy Butler. And, and one that's really important, and I believe Kyle, you put this in here, is Jay Crowder. Like you, we we know that. I didn't put that in there. That's not you put, I that, in put that in there. So yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need an explanation. Jay Crowder being the most important player. You skipped over going Dragic, skipped over Bam Adebayo, and went for Jay Crowder. Tell I what. think Jay Crowder. Not to be mean to Jay Crowder, I think he'll be the reason the Heat lose. In, in, oh, like, in the sense that if he proves me wrong, then the Heat actually do have a shot. But when the Lakers play big, when they have Dwight in the game, or one of the or. I forget which Morris brother they have, but it's one of them. Marquise? Marquise. Uh, we'll go with Marquise. <laughs> um, he's going to be forced to guard Anthony Davis. Right. And I don't see a way he does that effectively. If he can prove me wrong, then that makes him right. All, pa- all power too. <laughs> yeah, all power too. So he's yeah. important for the wrong reason. Yeah, he's, he's, he's exactly... If he can overcome this Herculean task of guarding Anthony Davis effectively, then the Heat actually do have a chance for me. Do, do the Heat legitimately have a second option for guarding Anthony Davis outside of them? Is there is there someone you go? Do you bring Donis Haslam's old ass off the bench no. and guard AD? Like, what do you do? Oh, Linux. Linux, no. Just a match with oh. size. Just a match with size, but no, they oh. really don't. Only shot Kelly Linux got is if he pulls what he pulled in 2015 and ripped AD's shoulder <laughs> out of the socket, like he didn't came up. That's I bad. agree. I agree with Matt though on this Jay Crowder thing for all the wrong reasons again. But so I found this today. Out of the 101 players that have played at least 20 minutes a game in these playoffs. He ranks 48th in defensive rating. So hey, he's top 50%. But you're first of all, you're six foot six going against AD, and second of all, you're going against one of the most prolific scorers in these playoffs right now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think that happens. I said it earlier. I think Bam needs to be on him and put the mismatch on Dwight Howard if you need to. Maybe that's also where the two three comes in play, so Bam can always be there. But I, it could be it could be issues if Jay Crowder has to guard AD for extended minutes. Well, so we know the issues. We know the issues that the the Heat present for the Lakers. That's them being able to run, they're more versatile and, and faster, and they shoot a lot better. They might be a little bit better defensively, but the Lakers are a good enough defensive team where that's yeah. not that's not a, a, a crazy advantage for the Heat. 
where the Lakers can get the advantage back where they didn't have it in the Western Conference Finals, I believe is rebounding. Because you have the combination of AD and Dwight when AD wants to rebound. So <laughs> we'll see. Because if you average three rebounds for the series again, it's a wash. But you have Dwight Howard down there, JaVel McGee if he gets minutes, and LeBron, which we know might, might mess around an average double-digit rebound. Might mess, mess around an average. I think he will. Close, close to a tri- triple-double. The only elite rebounder that the Heat possess is really Bam Adebayo, right? Like, is there another elite rebounder that the Heat, that the Heat no. have? So Jimmy, that's, gets, Jimmy gets a lot. Crowder gets a lot. But, yeah, it's, it's out of bio. But they get a lot, and a lot for Jimmy Butler is like seven or eight. But for it's a like, big yeah. man, that's that's not a lot. You know what when I mean? Jimmy Butler is your second leading rebounder, you got issues. Yeah, you got you got issues going against the Lakers. So yeah. that's true. But I mean, I, I got to talk about the most important players. I think they're one and the same. You talk about the shooters, the full clips. You know what did Rick Ross say? Got shooters down in Miami. They throw it like Dan Marino. They Heat got shooters, dog. Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero can be the tipping scale for this series if they're consistent, right? We saw Tyler Hero drop a 37-point game, and then he was quiet, and then in the closeout game, he comes back with a 20-point game. But Duncan Robinson has really been like a moving goalpost for the Heat. He hasn't been consistent at all. He's at been all. he's been their most inconsistent player, let's just be honest, through these playoffs. He's down yeah. every single statistical category from the regular season besides steals and assists, but they're both only up by point one. So what Duncan Robinson brings, he's lacking in the playoffs. Yep. That hurts. And the big overarching like theme of that is they need the entire team effort if they want to beat the Lakers. That's what right. got them to this point. But you can't have those inconsistencies off your fifth and sixth guys now. You can't have Duncan Robinson running around for 37 minutes and giving you six points mm-hmm. when he's there to score. So it, it needs to be – I think it's more on Robinson than Hero. Hero's shown a little more consistency. I'll, I'll put more. I'll put more responsibility on the starter. He'll, yeah, he'll get. But he'll get around the same minutes. But I can't see. He can't have less than ten points in more than one game this series. Maybe mm-hmm. he could have nine points a game, and they they could squeak out a win. But he needs to get back to that point where he has in the regular season, where he's going to give you fourteen a night on almost fifty percent three point shooting. And Has here's here's the thing: he can't stop shooting. Like I've noticed mm-hmm. for Duncan Robinson, when he goes cold, he stops shooting. He'll come around the screen, catch the ball, and pass it immediately. Or he doesn't come off the screen looking to shoot. He, he puts the ball on the floor looking to dish. But if, it, if that ball's not going in, dog, you got to keep It's shooting. over because then they have no reason to guard you. Exactly. They, they know you're afraid to shoot and you're a three-point shooter. And he's a three-point yeah. – and he's, and he's the ultimate three-point specialist. Where, I mean, I love him. We don't do anything else on the floor. Like he's he's your he's your JJ Redick prototype. Where like if, if I'm not getting a good three point output out of you, what am I getting out of you, dog? Mm-hmm. So you gotta continue putting. You gotta continue to make them respect you. In the regular season, pointers. he averaged eight three pointers per game, one two pointer per game. So, that's what yeah. I need you to do. That's what I need you to do. I, that's okay. I'm I'm perfectly okay with that. But I definitely I definitely. I'm going with like he's one dimensional. Like he asked him to shoot threes, otherwise he's nothing. Yep. It's, it's he's tall, which can help you in like a select play or two, but that's about it. All right, before we get out of here and go in the NFL, official uh, official series breakdown who wins and in how many games? Stat Matt, go ahead. Lakers in five. In five. In five. Five, 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 five will be the. That's Lakers. crazy. Which game do the Heat win? Game two. Okay. Kyle. Uh, Lakers in six. You really clinging to that six, huh? Lakers in six. And all get, I think maybe they run away with one game like they did in a few games in series past, but I think a lot of these games are close, and the heat down the stretch, I'll give them two of those games. 
No, I, I agree with you. I think every game is going to be close, but I'm still saying Lakers in five. I think every game will be close, probably except game two. And the which, one, which game for you? Game one. The field They win the field out game, and it plays out the way the Rockets series played, the way the Blazers series played. You mm-hmm. win game one, you get smacked around in game two, and you don't get the, you don't get the series back. Yeah. Like, we we know, and LeBron. Aside from every other series, LeBron has only played this team twice, and he hasn't played this team at all. Long ass time. Yeah. Like, he hasn't played them since January. Yeah. Like, so. like so long ago. So he needs. He really needs to feel out game one. Yeah. Like, he for, really needs it. For my for my in six, I think this series goes two two, and the Lakers strap up and win the next two. I'd love that. That'll be exciting. That'll be very exciting. Yeah, I, I think we get that. That's as long as LeBron get a fourth. As long as Bron get a fourth, and we can and we can slowly start hushing all the doubters over there. As long as Bron get a fourth, but we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on to our second segment, the beautiful Speaky Facts. We haven't done this in a while, but it's a good way to get some NFL in. So Straight Facts podcast, we're gonna keep it rolling on the Speaking Facts NFL edition specifically. So I'm gonna go first here. Bill Belichick let it fly. Doesn't always let it fly, but I feel like he's been in the media more lately this year. Like I feel like he's been talking a little bit more. We're not used to that. Even still, when he talks more, it's like a three-word. He's like commercials now too. I'm like, whoa! I'm like, no, Belichick got a got a, a fun side. But when commenting on Russell Wilson being underrated this year, he said, "I don't really see anybody better in this league than Russell Wilson." Is he speaking facts, man? No, because there's another guy named Pat Mahomes. Russell Wilson is unbelievable. He he's been underrated for so long that now people are finally saying he's too underrated, right. and it's like getting to the point where no, he's not Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes is an alien. He is un- inhuman. He is better than any quarterback <laughs> I've ever seen play football, ever. He is, he is oh, he's what, like, the perfect embodiment of a quarterback should be is Pat Mahomes. I, I did not know he had this much ever. And Wilson is strong number two, strong number two. And Belichick does this a lot where he hypes up a player that he's that got. No, up, yeah, that, that that he, no, it's not even that he beat up them, it's that He's gotten the best of Wilson himself, so he can say, like, oh, Wilson's the best. And, and I drew up the boy that picked him off in the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> it's like That's a little low-key, like, look on the eye out kind of thing. That is pat himself on the back a little bit. Kyle, is he speaking facts? Um, no. I think week to week, uh, the consistency and the output you get from Russell Wilson, po- possibly. But I agree with Matt. Patrick Mahomes is the better quarterback. But this quote wasn't even talking about quarterbacks, and I actually think Aaron Donald's the best player in the league. But if we're talking about quarterbacks, I would, I would, I would go with Mahomes one, Wilson two. Um, it's a, you're, I mean, that's a good point. I, lo- I like that you bring up the Aaron Donald aspect of it because too many times when we say best football player, we always stick on the offensive end when mm-hmm. the prototypical football player doesn't play offense. Like when you think of a football player, it's like a linebacker, mm-hmm. defensive tackle, defensive yep. end type of player. So we got to give him, we got to give Aaron Donald his just due. But I'm gonna disagree with y'all. I'm gonna say that he's speaking facts because of when he said it. He said it after, he actually said it after week three. He said it after the week he played the Seahawks. Um, but I think through the first three weeks, I don't think we're seeing a player better than in the NFL than Russell Wilson through the first three weeks of the season. Like Pat Mahomes had a great week three. I mean, he showed out on national TV. But I mean, he, he wasn't looking tremendous over the moon, exceptional in week two when it comes down to the wire to beat the Chargers, right? But Russell Wilson, we are we're we're watching astronomical stuff be put up that's, by Russell. That's Wilson. where he broke Pat Mahomes' record of most touchdown passes through, through three, three games. Weeks, yeah, you know what I mean. So fourteen through three so with, with zero interceptions. Yep. Ooh. 
Yeah, come on. There's nobody better. Here's, than a, here's a sad. Here's a very sad stat that I wish I didn't have to say, but I'm going to. If Russell Wilson threw 46 consecutive mm. interceptions on those next 46 passes, he would still have a higher passer rating than Carson Wentz. Ain't that you? Hate to see it. I I love to see it, but you hate to see it. Perfect segue into the next one. Dan Orlovsky. And I've never seen someone defend the Eagles like Dan Orlovsky will go to battle for the Philadelphia Eagles. But on first take this week, he answered the question, how do you fix the Eagles? You got to get rid of fear. Fear has overcome this organization. Kyle, you first as he's speaking facts. I don't think he's speaking facts. I I think a big part of our Super Bowl run three years ago was that this team had no fear. They were animals. They were dogs. They're showing up on Sunday to beat your ass. And maybe that's why Orlovsky had it like that. But I don't, I don't think that's their main issue right now. I think you're getting inconsistent play out of the quarterback. I think you have no wide receiving core. The O-lines aren't performing. I think it's a lot bigger than being scared, I guess, is the point he's trying to make. I, I think there's a lot of football stuff that's going on right now that they need to patch up. I'm a, I'll save mine. I'll save mine for the end. Matt, go ahead. As he's if, if Howie Roseman is the embodiment of fear, then he's right. Because I love Howie Roseman. He... I saw him at the Hall of Fame when Dawkins getting inducted. I asked for a hug. He said no. But <laughs> probably the right, probably the right decision. He's the guy who built the team that won the Super Bowl for me. I'll always be grateful. But he's been ass since they won the Super Bowl. He's great he's, in like free agent and tricks. Yeah, yeah. He, his draft picks have been horrible Ooh. recently. The roster just isn't good. And Wentz obviously has to be better. But last year they were a bad roster carried by a very good quarterback. And now that Wentz is having a cold streak, you can see every other flaw in the team. That's true. And that's on Howie Roseman. Yep. Dan Olofsky is 100% speaking facts. The first reason is who is your second round draft pick? A quarterback, yeah. right? And and your second, and, and it's not to say that he's coming in to take Carson Wentz's job. It's not to say that Carson Wentz is about to be benched. But there is a fear that Carson Wentz, there's going to be one time where Carson Wentz hits the turf and doesn't get back up. And it's done. For a season, for a career, I, I don't even want to wish on him. But that, that's got to be a legitimate concern in Philly, right? It's a concern that led to drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round. It's a concern that's made the Eagles switch the way Carson Wentz plays, switch their offense. Like, it, it's made them change a lot of things. Like, we've clearly seen the week one difference of Carson Wentz trying to hold the football and make plays to what happened in week two. There got to a three-second count in his head, and that ball was just going out of bounds in whatever direction. And that was clear that his quarterback coach, Doug Peterson, whoever came to him was like, you need to get rid of the football. I don't care if it's completion. I don't care if it's going out of bounds. You got to get rid of the football. That's clear. And it's clear that he's taking too many hits. That's why they wanted to do that. And also, why does Doug Peterson punt on 4th and 12? Yeah, and, and I was about to say that. I was about that's, to say that. That's, 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 that's not playing to win. That's playing not to lose. That's being afraid. That's being afraid that if I kick this and miss it, my defense isn't going to be able to stop them for that nine seconds that they have to get in the field goal range for them. If I give it to Carson, I'm not confident that Carson goes out and makes a play. Even more, I'm scared that there's a turnover and it goes back the other way. Now we just lost with 13 seconds left to go in the game. So punt it over there and we'll just play for a tie. Like I'm seeing fear being wrapped into a lot of this. That's the same Doug Peterson that that gave a go to Philly Special on fourth and goal in the Super Bowl. That's he wrote a book titled same, Fearless. That's come on. That's the same Doug Peterson. Just the same Doug Peterson. The next possession went on fourth and three on his own 45. That's the same Doug Peterson, right? But, but 
That same guy punched a fourth and twelve with, with thirteen seconds left in the game plus territory. Nineteen in the teens. Yeah. So like that—that's what I'm seeing. I, I am seeing just caution and fear. And after going on a Super Bowl run, that you're right. Both of you are right. That they—they they were just fearless. There's you couldn't tell them anything. They put a backup quarterback in there and were still running out, dick swinging because they were unafraid. But this is a team that's a, a shell of itself right now, and we're seeing it. And luckily, y'all play in such a bad division that 0-2-1 doesn't mean you're out of it. We're half a game back. Yeah, like that's so, yeah. That's so <laughs> it's ridiculous. ridiculous. That's so ridiculous. All right, we move on next. Chucky let it fly again. My guy, John Gruden. This time, it's on Josh Allen. He's got a lot of John Elway playing style in him. He can scramble. He's strong. He's tough. He's a big-time player. I want to focus on that first sentence when I ask you, Matt. Is he speaking facts? He's got John Elway in him. I'm a Josh Allen supporter. I have been a humongous Josh Allen hater from the time before he was drafted. And I have been proven wrong. And it's been very fun to be wrong. (laughs) He's one of the more entertaining players. He's got the athleticism. If you look at just pure athleticism and arm strength, you can see John Elway. Mm. But that's not all of John Elway. John Elway was a uniquely unbelievable quarterback. And it's a little going too far there. But he is, he's an unbelievable scrambler. He's uniquely strong. He's like a 2K player, but like, or Madden player that you put all the stats up except for like accuracy. He's like, one <laughs> but like he's getting it's better at it. He's getting, better, he's getting better at it though. And like in his last like 13 games, he's like 33 TDs and three picks. Like mm-hmm. he's been unbelievable. So he's kind of speaking facts, but Elway's too far. Elway is way too far. Josh Allen is a good athlete, a great athlete. John Elway was a world-class athlete. Like, John Elway, Elway was, like, all-world type athletic in his heyday. And I think... Highly valued prospect for the Yankees. Yeah, like, come on. Like, this guy this guy did it all. And, like, Josh Allen is good, but we just said that he has traits of a, a top five quarterback of all time. Like, and, and I don't know if I'm ready to go there yet. I'm a, I'm a Josh Allen supporter. I'm a Josh Allen believer. He's been very good through the first three weeks of the season. But John Elway good? Then I don't know, John. That's a product of, of losing to a guy and, and wanting to pump him up because you just lost to him. But is he speaking fast, Kyle? No, I mean, I'm on the same boat as Matt is. Like, athleticism-wise, attribute-wise, this guy on paper, I guess, yeah, he, he looks like John Elway a little bit, but... Well, how does he look like, well, how does he look like John Elway? Just because, because he, he had he's, three he's, really good games, he looked like John Elway? Does Russell no, like John I, Elway I, on paper? I, no, I loved Josh Allen last year. He he was doing a lot of the same stuff last year, but I'm right. getting to it. He don't got that John Elway in him. He got that dog in him, right? He doesn't <laughs> get that. I'm a dodge three sacks, find Shannon Sharp over the middle, find Terrence Davis on the freaking checkdown route. He doesn't have those Super Bowls in him. I mean, we're when, talking about John Elway and we're talking about Josh Allen. When Josh when uh, Josh Allen when Josh Allen goes to scramble at the goal line and gets helicoptered by three people on his way to a touchdown, then I'll say he got John Elway in him. But that's John Elway, big time player. You got to win a playoff game before you're a big time player. Come on, man! Before you're before he's you're got the, like that's like Mount Rushmore quarterbacks then there. He's got some physical similarities. I'll leave it at that. But Gruden's not speaking facts. Nah, not on this one, man. Sorry, Chucky. This last one comes from Mina Kimes, who I'm telling you, man, she got some of the best quotables like in sports media. Mina Kimes is hilarious and a very good sports broadcaster. Um, but she also said this week, if 2020 were a division, it would be the NFC East. I feel like we could have done a crossover on this and really like gone deep into why she may be right. But Kyle, is she speaking facts? 
it's hard to say she's not. <laughs> it's hard to say she's not. I mean, you got who I think are possibly the two worst teams in the league at the bottom. You got two underperforming teams, and the division winner might be seven and nine this year, or hopefully seven, eight, and one. Right. I mean, it, it, yeah, of course. Is, is she speaking facts, Matt? Yes, and I, I don't want to get political, but it is important to realize that 2020, in both scenarios, has a completely inept Washington, D.C. Bingo. <laughs> That's the facts right there. Bingo. I think she's speaking facts from the standpoint of, you know how many people came into 2020 damn near everywhere, everyone? You remember last December, all the Instagram posts of what I'm leaving in the, 2020, in the 2010s, what I'm taking into the 2020s, new decade, new me. It's, it's going to be our decade. You know what I mean? This was our generations like, you know, coming, coming into our own. And then 2020 flopped. And what did the Eagles and Cowboys say? We got it right. We got healthy. We're going in. We're about to prove a lot of people wrong. Carson Wentz revenge tour is what I was told. Flopped. <laughs> Flopped and it's just not getting any better. So yeah, like Mina Kimes hit it on the head. If anything embodies 2020, it's the NFC East, the all-time bad division. And that that is that is terrible. But moving on, uh, that's not the only thing that happened this past week in sports. Kyle, you want to take us to, and tell us what happened this past week in sports? Gotcha. So uh, let's do that hockey with the two over the Dallas Stars with the two of victory over the Dallas Stars in game six. The Tampa Bay Lightning are now the Stanley Cup champions. A very fitting cap to a nice playoff run. They won their first two series 4-1, the next two 4-2. But bad news for hockey as it was the least watched Stanley Cup final since 2007. The clinching game six drew less viewers than a young Sheldon episode that was a rerun that was airing on CBS at the same time. At the ruffle. You had to, bro. That, that put it into perspective. But, but, Not even but don't ring the alarm. I'm Sheldon. I watched but don't ring the alarms yet. I'm watching because... the Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes game because I love playoff hockey. And whoa, 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 whoa. Really? So you, you watched game six of the Stanley Cup over, I guess, I mean, it's a week three game, but over Ravens Chiefs? It's a major sports championship. I got to the third period. I had to watch the rest. That's true. And it's not like, I think if you were, I think if by the time that hockey came down to the third period, if you're watching like a 35-30 Ravens-Chiefs game, I think you would have stayed to it. But the the Chiefs had a command. You get the ESPN app on like your laptop and you have two screens going. There you go. He was was watching both games. He wasn't just watching this game. I don't want to end it on the young show. It's great to see teams that have come close to winning titles and haven't finally win it. I have a, as Philadelphia, I have a soft spot for that. Right. <laughs> um, and they lost the Eastern Conference Finals in 7 in 2011. They lost the Stanley Cup Finals in 2015. Lost the Eastern Conference Finals in 7 again in 2016. Lost the Conference Finals again in 2018 in 7. <laughs> and then last year got swept by the 8 They were the one seed. Right? Like, they were yeah, the yeah, one yeah. They were the best. It would be like if the Bucks got swept by the Magic. It's, it's like that shocking as well. At some point, at some point, we didn't rule that out. And it, it was like almost UVA <laughs> kind of overcome. Next year, UVA after losing to UMBC won the title. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay did the same thing. It's nice to see a redemption story. That's true. That's true. Nice. You don't want to end on a bad note, though, Carlos. I don't want to end this on a bad note. Uh, <laughs> on the Young Sheldon point, I don't want to bag hockey like that. Uh, don't ring the alarms. Last year's playoffs were the most watched in two decades. So. 
gonna leave it there though. So how so the whole playoffs were were the most watched, but then when it came to the closeout game, no, last year's last year's, last year's okay. were the most watched. This so year's saying, was the least watched. So in normal circumstances, I mean, here's the thing, and and I, that kind of makes sense because sports were taken away from us for months and months on end, and then they all came back at one point. And when they all came back at one point, hockey's like third or fourth on that totem pole when when it all comes. Yeah, back. So I think I think a big thing in the playoffs too. You were having like one p.m. games, three p.m. games that you're not gonna watch. So. Right. But congrats to the Lightning. They brought Tampa Bay their first major sports championship since TV. 2004. Let's go. Yep. TV. But moving forward, so news broke on Monday about the first and hopefully only NFL COVID outbreak. This, of course, was within the Tennessee Titans organization, who now have 10 total COVID-positive players and staff. They, of course, played the Vikings on Sunday, and both teams shut down operations until Saturday. But the Vikings might be back tomorrow, as they've had no positive tests. Back to Tennessee, though, their game against the Steelers on Sunday has been postponed to at least Monday or Tuesday, but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes later. So we saw how the MLB handled this type of situation earlier in their season. Are we concerned at all about the NFL? How'd the MLB handle? MLB didn't do shit. <laughs> like that, they handled it because it like they reported they, it. They, but other than that, they were just kind of hoping it went it, away. They're lucky it just kind of like went away. It's yeah. easier to schedule in like in the MLB though, like when you have the coronavirus thing, it is in the NFL. Mm. Since the NFL is so strict, week to week to week, I don't know if a two day like. Postponement's going to be enough. I hope it is, so we can get more football. I don't. I don't think they. Play. Like, I hope. But. I don't think they can play either. I mean, what the protocol by the CDC is to quarantine yourself for 14 days. That's two games that you're missing out of 16 for the NFL. So, like, that's yeah, that's tough. I mean, but I to, think I think the Vikings might play with I no positive cases. No positive tests. I say you can play, but if you're Tennessee, you had double digit and and during one sitting during one round of testing. You got to address that. You got to sit out and, and address that. You know it's really mean? bad news for them and the Steelers, too, because if they don't play, like that postponed game on Tuesday, this will be their bye week, and they'll have to play 13 straight games the rest of the season. And, like, I mean, we, we had to see this coming, right? I'm not surprised. I'm kind of surprised it took until week three to get a positive test. But with no bubble situation, with having players in and out of airports, touching and going to all these different facilities and interacting with all these different people that they never interacted with before and won't interact with again, like, it's, it's just, I, I, I'm not surprised that we, we're getting tested, we're getting this many, and I won't be surprised if it's a slippery slope. Like, I won't be surprised if, you know, if, if other teams start to come up with positive tests too. And what's really scary is the NFL still doesn't have a plan. Still has, have, has no plan for their players, for anyone. And I'm kind of upset because the players kind of acted like they were going to be strict on the NFL for like a week and a half, right? Like Pat Mahomes let a tweet fly. Odell Beckham Jr. said something on his Instagram story. And then it went dead, right? And then they got to playing and like no one's demanding the NFL. And the Raiders are like getting in trouble for not following COVID protocol. The, the Seahawks are right too. Yeah. Like does the NFL really care? Like is there really a care or do they just act like it so they can continue to play? Yeah. But like we're not seeing even people follow protocol. Come on, man. And it's got to be the toughest sport to keep COVID contained. It's the most physical sport on the planet. And 53-man rosters, a lot of fucking people on the sideline of a football game. Exactly. Plus the practice squad people, plus the coaches. Plus the coaching staff, plus front office who comes down sometimes. Like, oh, yep. crazy. All right, I got one more thing for us this week. So after a quicker-than-expected exit from the NBA playoffs this year, the Los Angeles Clippers have decided to part ways with head coach Doc Rivers. In seven seasons as their head coach, Doc Rivers has accumulated an impressive 356 and 208 regular season record but has never been able to get it done in the playoffs this involves being bounced from the first round three times and the conference semis now three times as well 
And I'm not going to lie, this is really surprising to me when the news dropped. But now that I've gotten some time to think about it, I feel like the Clippers made the right move here. I think it was I think it was just time to move on. We watched Doc Rivers now command three different regimes of the Clippers. And when you have an, a really disappointing, underwhelming season like that, there's two people to blame, right? Star players and head coach. And who wins that battle every single time? Star players. Star players win that 10 times out of 10, especially when both those star players are in the first year of their contract and they have the ability to say, like, you know, Paul George, from the minute they lost, was saying this wasn't a year one thing. This wasn't a year like He already gave himself the excuse and gave himself the leash. So the, the player, someone's got to answer for that, right? Like yeah. someone, someone's got to, you know, be at fault for, for losing that and the head coach is going to. So the, yeah. the big, the only question I need to know from y'all two, Doc Rivers is in Philly right now. Interviewing for the Sixers. Yes, yay or nay. Sixers already say if they're interviewing, the Sixers are already interested, but yay or nay. I like it. I, he's not, I still like Dan Tony more, but I like Rivers too. Matt, you gotta let go of this Dan Tony thing, man. <laughs> you, got, you gotta let go of this Dan Tony thing, dog. You got to. You can't stop like, if we hired Doc, I wouldn't get mad. But you still want Dan Tony I like Dan Tony more. <laughs> You just want to see you just want to see threes flying all over the place. I think he's an offensive genius, and you take a shot with an offensive genius. Come. I I think Doc Rivers is undeniably our best coaching candidate right now. It's I, in the would, I, I I am with Matt. I like D'Antoni, but no, it's Doc Rivers, and I, I I'd have D'Antoni too. I don't like the Tyron Lue whole idea, but I, I think Doc Rivers is exactly who I want in this organization right now. You would take D'Antoni over Tyler. You would honestly do that. Yep. Okay. You gotta take the Antonio for Ty Lue. No, you don't have to. Not for what the Sixers have. Not for the Sixers team. The makeup of the Sixers. D'Antoni comes in and employs his system on the Sixers. And what happens? The, you know, the Sixers chuck up 43s a game. Okay, how many of those go in? If the Sixers are shooting 43s a game. Well, D'Antoni will have a lot of trading power. As long as he doesn't trade either and beat or Simmons, which he won't, it's fine. Look if you're you hiring Dan Tony, you bring in a different roster. That worked. You right. gotta bring in, a, but you're tied to a lot of players. I mean, to bring in a completely different team means you're moving one of four players or two of four players. You need to change. You need to take a sledgehammer to this team and only so protect two parts. So you think that realistically happens? Like if Dan Tony comes in, you think a combination of Simmons and B, Horford, or Tobias moves? I, think, I mean, it's got to, right, to work, right? 100%. I think that's happening either way, but you bring D'Antoni in with those expectations. You don't bring him in and change nothing. If you're bringing him in, you have a different roster. It's that's, it's it's literally required. It's literally yeah. required. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Of, of those four, who goes? To me, it's Tobias, but of those four, who goes? Horford first. But I, I mean, got you got you to gotta be able to get something. Like, I'm talking realistically, when you yeah, bring it to the market, you got to get something back for it. I don't know, you're getting chickens and hands for Horford, and you go out to the market. I, I wasn't to see Horford and Harris going. I mean, Horford's the worst, so I guess you try to trade him, but you can get way more for Tobias, and if you can only move one, maybe Tobias is the right option. All right, man. All right, man. I'll default to y'all. All, all right. right, man. Well, we'll that see. is all we have for this past week in sports. Let's get into the countdown, and our countdowns have been getting longer every week, so yeah, here's, <laughs> here's number six. Numbers, I had to put this one in. Number six is for the number of decades Pat Riley has been part of the NBA Finals. Like, that's crazy, Matt. You could, you, could, you could go through all of them and what his role has been in the Finals, right? Yeah, uh, he was a player in the 70s, a coach for the Lakers, player for the Lakers in the 70s, coach for the Lakers in the 80s, coach for the Knicks in the 90s, coach for the Heat in the uh, 2006. And then president of the Heat in the 2010s and now, of course, 2020. Like, like if, there's, if there's 
you know, if you, if, if a genie popped out right now and said, you can sit down in, in a room with one person and have a conversation, pick their brain for however long you want. Pat Riley's on my short list, dog. Like, Pat <laughs> Riley is really, like, I would just love to just, just to talk to the man, hear stories, know what he's going on in his life. That man is 75 years old. Look at Pat Riley right now. Look at a picture of Pat Riley right now, and you tell me if that man looks 75 years old. And then tell me he doesn't have, like, Illuminati ties. Tell me right now Pat Riley's not dancing with the devil. Come Whatever on. Whatever secret society exists, <laughs> Pat Riley's a part of. Oh, 100%. That's a that's Crop a different circles, area, area 51, all that. Pop Riley's uh, in all that. 100%, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> all right, number five. The number of times LeBron has faced Andre Iguodala in the NBA Finals. This is the most finals opponent, most of any finals opponent in LeBron's career. Iguodala, this is his sixth consecutive finals appearance. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Like, yeah. Outside of LeBron and James Jones, just him. And <laughs> James Jones. <laughs> um, Shooter. Um, and yeah. it's Death taxes and LeBron facing Iguodala in the finals. Like, so. every time. Like, every team that wants to beat LeBron gets Iguodala because, like, he's the best choice of the bunch. And, and here's the thing. This is going to be not the first time, but one of the only times that Iguodala isn't going to be the primary defender on LeBron for most of the series. I mean, he might if Spo goes to that. That's an adjustment that Spo could make. And we didn't even I mean, get into The player's getting foul trouble. Yeah, so, yeah. That, that's an adjustment. Spo's got that in his back pocket for sure. But, I mean, that's three years removed from Iguodala being, like, you know, significantly contributing to the defensive end of playing against LeBron James. But he's not going to get the finals MVP this time for it. For holding no. LeBron to 28-7-7, right? Like, what? He won't get it this time. I, I actually expect him to play a lot, though. I mean, even in that last series, he ended on the floor in a lot of those games. That's I true. think Iguodala's going to be a big part. All right, number four. Four is for the amount of times Frank Vogel and Eric Spolstra have met in the postseason. Spo has won all three of the previous series. Let's not forget. LeBron Le- also won Le- all three Le- series. LeBron also won all three series. <laughs> but those matchups went with a young Paul George, Roy Hibbert, and, and all of them. And, and Frank Vogel at the helm of the Indiana Pacers team. Vogel against LeBron. They gave LeBron some tough series, man. Yep. Those are yeah. two six-game and a seven-game series right there. And there are many different times when the Indiana Pacers could have been going to the finals. And that was a good team. That was a really good that team. That was a good team. Frank Collison Vogel's too. a good coach, bro. Frank Vogel's a good coach. Like, I believe. Like, he's, yeah. he's, he's got it. And, I mean, we haven't heard much clamoring over there. He's been fitting mm-hmm. in pretty well. So, maybe maybe you got the LeBron James stamp of approval, and you just added, like, 20 years to your coaching resume. You really did. <laughs> All right, number three. The number of times Lamar Jackson has lost to the Chiefs in his career against other opponents in the regular season, he's 21-1. and one. That's crazy. That's That's... That's an, yeah. that, like it makes me think a lot. Like I love Lamar Jackson, so it's not a lot more. But like, damn, twenty-one and one against other friends. Like you really just can't like, beat this yeah, team, huh? Yeah, like, like, that's okay. Okay, they'll get it. Okay, he's young. He'll figure it out. So, so I don't find it a big deal. Like he struggled on Monday night. People need to just calm this down. Yeah. Lamar Jackson's a young, so that he'll be good for a while. And and here's the thing. I heard I heard some people talking about like, oh, Lamar's only good against inferior teams. Lamar only beats inferior teams. No, remember the Ravens' schedule last year. Ravens had a fucking gauntlet of a schedule last year, and he beat good team after good team after good team. Beat the Patriots in a regular season. Beat the Niners. Out the Patriots. Yeah, beat the Niners in a, in a really like nasty ass hard fought game. Uh, went up against uh, the Seahawks, and he was playing good teams last year and beat them all. So it's but he did say the Chiefs are his kryptonite, and like I mean he's speaking 100 percent of facts, man. Twenty one one. Number two. Number two is for the number of games the Phillies need to win and their final eight-game stretch to make the playoffs. They needed to go two and six. They went one and seven, dog. 
They needed even worse. They needed in their final seven games to win one game, Matt. One game. They needed in their final, what, six games? Final five games yeah. to win one? They went over. Over to, to last game of this regular season. To put you into the playoffs, you lose 5 nothing. You, it's not like you lost a close game, a hard-fought game. You lost. You got goose-egged to go to the playoffs. This team. This team that we had so much expectation for. Like, say what you want about the Sixers. Say what you want about the Eagles. I mean, you can't really say this about the Flyers. The Phillies were the most disappointing Philadelphia sports team this year. I'm on record saying it. Like, they didn't even get to the Eagles have a chance still making we'll see, Yeah, we'll see where the Eagles end up. The Sixers still at least made it to the playoffs. Fire Clentac, re-sign JT. Why, Matt, Matt, answer me this. Why the hell would JT want to come back? Why? Well, maybe you get a chance. Instead of having an historically awful bullpen, you just make it bad. Then you're like a good playoff team. They should turn a 7.5 ERA into like a 4.8, where you're still a shitty oh, bullpen. Oh, my, my bullpen is a 4.8 ERA. Who are we eating? Like, no. if we just have a bad ERA, then we're like a contender. Historically, but, that bullpen, they did actually run in numbers. It's historically one of the worst bullpens. I know. Worse than I It is the only reason we missed the playoffs. Starting yeah, pitching was fine. Hitting was fine. I mean, we and have... We, I mean, if our bullpen isn't as bad, we our bullpen overshadowed Bryce Harper MVP talks. But you win more games, yeah. Bryce Harper for MVP starts circulating more. But uh, yeah, he, well, he cooled off towards the end of the year. Shout out to Al, um, one of the few bright spots. Al, I mean, he still got a chance at NL Rookie of the Year, yeah. right? He still got a good shot at it. So we'll see. Al Bone did come and hit. We'll see next year. Okay. Number one, the number of teams with below 15-point fourth quarter leads. Um, in the same season, and that is the Atlanta Falcons, who did it in weeks two and three of the season. The Falcons invent new ways to lose games. <laughs> it's real. I don't know what I do if I was a Falcons fan. They lose the stupid the games Falcons. all the time. Mm-hmm. Going back to the Super Bowl, of course, but damn, it's nuts how they just... I remember looking at the scores, like, I guess the Bears, like 26 to 10. My dad said... I was like, oh, they put Foles in. I was like, yeah, they're not going to win. Then he's like, well, it's Falcons. They always seem to screw up games <laughs> that they shouldn't screw up. I was like, oh, yeah, they got a shot. No. They just watched the bottom line grow. I was like, yeah. oh, it's way, it's way too. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Wait, wait, wait. Did it actually happen again? No, I'll tell you what. The, the, the minute I tune into that game is when they bench Trubisky for Nick Foles. So I was like, oh, here they go. The Bears are locked it. The Bears did it. The Bears are the first team to get Nick Foles right since the Eagles. You don't start Nick Foles. When you get him week one, you don't you don't give him the job in training camp. No, you give him a couple of weeks. You take the pressure and responsibility off of him. You know, and you give it to him when the ship is sinking. So if it sinks, he knows it's not his fault. But if it goes up, he knows it. If he's the reason that it went up, like that's when Nick Foles plays the best without that burden on his shoulder. The Bears did it. They didn't have the luxury of waiting till week eleven or, or twelve when the Eagles did it. But man, they did it. They bought themselves. A very exciting next like five weeks at the very least, man. They they did it right, but the Falcons dog just shaky, baby, in all sense of the word. I love it though. I hate it. I hate the Falcons. <laughs> I really hate the Falcons. I can't stand it. Oh man. But that's uh we're almost out of time. That's the countdown. We're almost out of time for this episode. We can get some shots about the buzzer. Matt, got something to say at the buzzer? So in the presidential debate last night, it was mentioned that Hot. bad things happened in Philadelphia. Hot. So I just want to talk about some of the bad things <laughs> that happened in Philadelphia sports. That's what I was just about to say, though. Like, <laughs> as insulting as it may be, like, damn, it wasn't that wrong. 
Like, bad things do happen in Philly sports, right? So, I'm going to start with James going to like this one. Ronde Barber's pick six in the 2002 NFC title game. Ronde Barber running down the side. Everyone expected O2 to be the year the Eagles finally did it, and they closed out oh. the bet and shut it down for good. <laughs> and that Ronde Barber you watch closed out the bet. You watch that clip, it is silent mm-hmm. on the run back. It's like crazy. The best part crazy. is Ronde running down the sideline like this, showing yeah. the football to the stands. Oh. Um, the next one is Patrick Kane, who ended the Flyers' Stanley Cup hopes 10 years ago when he hit a had a bullshit goal against Michael Layton that went in to end the Flyers' Cinderella run. Mm. And then I'm just going to go with the whole section I'd like to call Sixers Woe. <laughs> so, I'm going to start going back. So, in 1986, the mm. Sixers lost in seven to the Bucks by one point in Game 7, and a lot of that was because most of Malone missed the playoffs because he had an eye injury. So I thought, okay, we'll have a pitch poor game, we'll be back next year. Nope, they decided to trade Moses Malone, but not just Moses Malone. The number one overall pick, who turned into perennial all-star Brad Doherty, and another first-round pick for Cliff Robinson, Jeff Ruland, and Roy Henson. Do you know who those people are? I've not really Exa- never heard exactly. of them. Exactly. <laughs> Cliff Robinson was good. It made, Cliff Robinson it made no was sense, good. and it ruined Barkley's prime and made it so they couldn't contend with Barkley. Now I'm going to go to the next guy who ruined all, us Hall of Famer's prime. That's Billy King. Mm-hmm. Billy King. They could have drafted KG. They picked Jerry Stackhouse. They could have drafted Dirk. They picked, or Paul oh, Pierce. Or, they, or, picked, Paul they picked Larry Hughes. Then whenever he tried to surround Iverson with talent, it just failed. And not only that, when we fire him, he goes to the Nets and then decides, oh, here's Celtics. Here's your future. And he, and he gives us the Celtics, like yeah. this team of stars that's a contender now. I hate Villa King. And then <laughs> last, I like to I'd like to shout out the Colangelos for destroying the dream that Hinky had. I was about to say you got it. You got to bring it. And just crapping on the players at the same time. God, and you're just petty, just so petty mm-hmm. about everything. I hope you never have another job in basketball. Mm-hmm. That's all I gotta say. The buzzer. That is <laughs> what what an at the buzzer. He took a swig, took a swig of water after that too. What an at the buzzer. That's crazy. <laughs> Kyle, the uh, Matt didn't throw in those Kawhi four bounces, but I thought about talking about what we saw last night. Not going to do it. Uh, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm not going to do it. We don't got too much time left either. I'm going to just put some love to the team I'm chugging with. All my Philly teams let me down or are currently letting me down. But this pit football team. Yeah, you got one in pit football, man. You got they one. Got, you got one. They, uh, it's way too early, but we have three projected first rounders and three projected second rounders all on our defense right now. And this team is legit. Uh, they don't have another test. They moved back. They moved back to 24 as after they added in all those teams. Mm-hmm. But they got no competition for another two weeks. They're gonna put a hammering on NC State this weekend. Whatever the line is, take it. Are you and on? Are you on Clemson's side of the ACC? No, they're nope. on the coastal. Oh. They're on the coastal, but it doesn't matter this year. We're all together. Oh, you're all. So okay. it's just gonna be the top two teams. But it's gonna be Pitt and Clemson. And Matt, I cannot wait. You think you think it's gonna be Pitt and Clemson? I mean, you got Miami playing out their minds right now. Games in their ACC. You skip it over a lot of teams, man. We play them. We play them. We have, we are, we actually have the hardest schedule we've ever had in Pitt football history since like 1980 something, and we're gonna do it. Are you gonna earn your stripes this year? We're gonna do it. All right. Are you gonna bust into the to the football stadium if y'all hosting some big games? Try to see something? Uh, the Steelers are actually proposing the plan to put like 20k in, so Pitt football is gonna try to bounce off of that. I don't know if Tom Wolf allows it, but we might be able to I get. I mean, there. Tom Wolf is pretty strict with Pennsylvania, man. He already shut down the Eagles like three times. Like, no, y'all not, <laughs> y'all not having fans. So, 
We'll see. I mean, if the Steelers break through, maybe the Eagles. All I have to say at the buzzer, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce off of you know what, what Matt was making light of, kind of what you said, Kyle. I don't want to talk about really the presidential election last night. My my brain hurts enough already trying to comprehend what I was watching. All I will say is please take your ass to the polls. And and I say take your ass to the polls because I think you should vote in person. Now, uh, if, if you are unable to vote in person or you have a situation where mail-in voting is, is preferable or is better for you and that's the only way you can get a vote in, absolutely do a mail-in vote. Don't not vote. But with everything, you know, circulating right now, how they're trying to mess with the U.S. Postal Service, man, if you can get to the polls, just please vote in person safely, social distance, bring a mask, hand sanitizer, all that. But please just go in person. My roommate is from New Jersey, living with us in Philadelphia, tried to mail his application for his mail-in ballot um, to his um, to his representative's office, and they sent it back to our house. Like, like that's with nothing on it. Just It just showed up in our mailbox again as if he was supposed to be the one it was addressed to. So yep. there's just a lot of things going on. Please just take your ass to the polls. But... That's all I got for this episode. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I got a roommate story too. My roommate is now on his third ballot. Um, one got lost in the mail. He yes, misplaced man. one, and another one's coming in the mail now. So he could be voted for three times. <laughs> I hope. I hope. I'm not even gonna say this. I just hope his vote is going in a, in a good spot if he voting three times. But that's all the it's, time we have. Not going in the bad spot. Good, good, good. That's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. It was a great one. Big ups to the to the Academy Studios and Philly Hall of Fame for hosting us once again. For my guy, Kyle Sierra, and my main man, Stat Matt, I am James Jackson. These have been the facts. Straight up.